got a gold medal performance! Never before has the world seen such a Herculean display of raw athleticism since Hercules! I don't think any country's gonna challenge this decision. This is a gold medal for the United States of America. And here I am with the nation's new champion. How does it feel? I'm a little winded, but I'm just proud to do right by my country. I hope my performance inspired people all over to dedicate themselves to what they love. I'm sure it did, but the real question is, what are you gonna do next? I'm going to Knott's Berry Farm! Medic! Why? Well, you must have runner's idiocy. I believe you mean Disneyland, the magical kingdom, the happiest place on Earth. No, Knott's Berry Farm, the land of hay and jelly, the humblest place on Earth. Friend, be reasonable. You're a role model, not a confused Japanese tourist. No, no. I'm gonna treat myself to a chicken dinner. I'm gonna put my arm around stupid dog. Oh boy! Now you may want to reconsider. Read the back of your medal. As a gold medal Olympian, I hereby vow to celebrate at Disneyland and swear never to endorse Knott's Berry Farm. But boysenberries are back in season. Keep reading. Even if boysenberries are back in season. Well... I'm sorry, I, I want to ride the wacky soapbox racers. <sighs> All right. Call Interpol. Order! Order in the international court! How does the defendant find himself? Well, thank you. Guilty or not guilty? Guilty. Of wanting to have some wholesome family fun! We will now hear the testimony from the representative of Knots and Berries. Well, that is not a language recognized by the international court. You are hereby sentenced to a park hopper weekend at Disneyland in Disney's California Adventure. No! You will conquer Space Mountain and yell, Yippee! once the conquest is over. They will take a picture of you. You will buy the picture. No, please, anything but that, please. You will go rafting with Captain Jack Sparrow. A pirate's life will be for you. You can't do this to me. You will wonder why Whoopi Goldberg hasn't won more Oscars as she narrates your simulated journey over the Golden State. <sighs> is there no way out? Well, there's always my way out, which is a joke you'll find funny come Sunday. Welcome to a majestic Matterhorn. <laughs> hey, no hard feelings about that sentence. Hope you don't mind sharing a toboggan with me. Yeah. No spoilers? But there's a Yeti. You want to lick my Dole Whip? I don't want to lick any of your stupid Dole Whip. It's not stupid. You're stupid. It's a good Dole Whip. It's a good Dole Whip. All right, fine. Give me a stupid lick. Put your seat in an upright position. You're going to Flavortown, buddy. Give me a stupid... Oh, I spilled it. You idiot. My Dole Whip. Napkins, spoons, straws. That's my chance. Hey, we haven't even seen the Yeti yet. Are you escaping? Be honest. Yeah. Someone stop him. He's executing a clean sprint through the innovations complex. A world-class long jump straight over Autopia into a perfect backstroke through the Finding Nemo submarine voyage pool. They've raised the drawbridge of Sleeping Beauty's castle in an attempt to stop him, but he's executed a clean deadlift and raised it straight over his head and continues on his way. What's this? A challenger? Winnie the Pooh has put down his honey jar and is attempting to subdue the assailant. Oh, bother. His Greco-Roman wrestled him into submission. We're awaiting the judge's decision. Spectacular form! The judges have decided the assailant has Greco-Roman wrestled Winnie the Pooh into submission. He has now grabbed a torch from the enchanted tiki room and is lighting the Olympic cauldron with it. Wait, it's not the Olympic cauldron. 
It's Tom Sawyer Island! The smokescreen is slowing down his pursuers as he grabs an unusually large stale churro and is pole vaulted clear over the back wall of Toontown as he makes his way up the five to his final destination, Buena Park, to the only place he was ever competing for. Knott's Berry Farm. Goofy, get the sniper rifle. I'm gonna blow his brains all over the carpool lane. Is this thing on? <laughs> I hope not. You hope not. I hope we'll not. We'll be here all month <laughs> in this room. You've been fired. That's why I'm not leaving. <laughs> it's a sit-in. After Trump wins, that'll be the national salute. You're fired. Everyone's fired. Everyone, please Nazi salute the flag. You're fired. <laughs> I pledge allegiance. You're fired. I pledge allegiance. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> Welcome back. Green Salutations, episode 32 of Ellie Felicidades. Weekly. Felicidades. Mm-hmm, you got it. Vanadades. Welcome. We're in the thick of the summer, heading into fall almost. It's August. There's been a fire brewing for about four days now, mm-hmm. and I think it's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they're cooking up in <laughs> Santa Clarita, I think it might be getting burnt. So welcome, welcome. Uh, to the August episode. I'm talking to Greg right now. Oh, hi. Thank you for welcoming me. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter who I am. Hi, Daniel. Mm, I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce you. I'll give you a Carson intro, ready? Get off of me, I'm beating my wife. Hello, Daniel, we're here. Hey, Mr. Carson. <laughs> Can I sit down? Not yet. Okay. Oh, I meant Carson Daily intro. Well, and again, I don't even remember. I, I blocked that out. Total request, Daniel. Blocked all of that summer living out. All that summer loving, it's out. The summer of love, you know, 2003. <laughs> we all had frosted tips. There won't be any frosted tips in this weather anymore. Global warming, am I right? All right, that's enough of the politics i think we've uh, made our politics very clear on this program we're going to be talking about something that's happening if you're listening to this at the beginning of august it's starting in a couple weeks the olympiad aren't you excited i am really excited i, I love the olympics I know. you you really love them i i've grown to like them and i'm probably after this research and seeing what's going to happen in rio i'm going to love it <laughs> i'm more interested to see how many people get bit by mosquitoes and leave the country <laughs> four foot mosquitoes flying rats everywhere i don't know what rio's like i'm sorry no, you got it. <laughs> Nailed it. But we with did. sandals. Since the Olympics are coming up in Rio, we're going to talk about the Olympics that have happened right here in Rio of the North. The Los Angeles Olympics. There were two that have happened so far. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to give that away. Yeah, strangely enough, they were both Winter Olympics. Hot. Hot city. Hot, hot Olympics in the city. Two Olympics, two boys. Split one evenly. for me, one for you. You got the flashy 80s, I got the depressing 30s. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. The dusty 30s <laughs> and the techni- the, the uh, neon colored. What, what, what is that? Uh, those like jackets that would change colors that you couldn't get wet? No, I mean, that's not real. You made that up. I think you're thinking of chameleon oh, jackets. Gremlin skin jackets. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a real thing? There, there was some sort of uh, jacket in the 80s that you couldn't get wet because yeah, maybe that was just a lie that my sister told my other sister because she didn't want her wearing her jackets. It worked. Yeah, it worked. My sister hasn't worn a jacket since the 80s. <laughs> Covered in hair now. That girl learned how to grow hair. We all did in the 80s. <laughs> I did, especially because I was born. This is the first thing I learned. I'm going to start. 
please. Do. Okay. The 1932 Olympics was the 10th Olympics, Summer Olympics. Yeah. Happened between July 30th to August 14th, 1932. Almost every story of Los Angeles being promoted before World War II always seems to start the same way. No one's ever heard of this sleepy Pueblo town, but then this is the thing that made it. <laughs> this story you're about to hear doesn't make Los Angeles, but it's sort of like a debutante ball because Hollywood had already sort of introduced Los Angeles and the concept of like mm-hmm. m- movie making to the general public. We had our coming out party. Exactly. And now this is a thing that sort of legitimized us as a large American our city. Quinceanera. <laughs> our quinceanera. Yeah, yeah, quinceanera, if you will. All the other states gathered around us, finely dressed. We invited the Hawaiian Islands to be the <laughs> complete mariachi band because there's <laughs> enough of them. So before the Olympics, Los Angeles lived under the shadow of older brother San Francisco as a major Californian American city. They had the Golden Gate Bridge and a whole industry. And what we were doing was making movies and stealing water from 200 miles away. <laughs> it was a hard sell. Olympic fever first broke out in Los Angeles around 1912. Is that like Zika? Yeah, it's like was Zika. That? Everybody got it. Don't let the rats bite you. <laughs> and a catalyst of the 1912 Los Angeles fever was the 20-year-old Fred Kelly of Beaumont, California. Beaumont, if you're wondering, is past Moreno Valley off the 10 freeway, which is about two hours away. I wasn't wondering. Okay. Kelly, or the King, as they called him, won the gold medal for the 110-meter hurdle championships at the Stockholm Olympics of 1912. King Kelly took the 1912 Olympic hurdles title after the former and reigning amateur athletic union, AAU champion, John Nicholson, fell at the eighth hurdle. <laughs> the delegates from Belgium could not stop laughing. <laughs> he pulled a boner. Twice, Kelly had equaled the world record of 15.0 in 1913 before winning his first and only AAU title later in the season. By 1916, the high hurdle record was 14.6, and once again, Kelly equaled it, although none of the marks ever received official record. In 1919, he placed second to fellow Southern Californian athlete Bob Simpson at an AAU championship. And then... Good old American name. <laughs> yeah, not King Kelly. King <laughs> Kelly retired after that. And from what I read... We fought to get King Kelly's out of this country <laughs> so that Bob Simpson could come and be elected senator. <laughs> after he lost to Bob Simpson, he retired. And from what I read about Fred Kelly, he went on to become a pioneer of commercial aviation. Anywho, uh, after Southern Californians' own had achieved that, civic groups began to campaign for Los Angeles to be the next host of the games. Beautiful, deserty, nice and isolated... Los Angeles, California. The push to make Los Angeles the next Olympic town was spearheaded by one gentleman in particular, William May Garland, who moved to Los Angeles from the East Coast in 1890 and spent his remaining years in the city boosting its population. He correctly predicted that the... Wo- if you know what we mean. <laughs> he Speaking it. of pulling a boner, yeah. he couldn't stop. Every day. This city's growing. Every day. Garland correctly predicted that this would be the third biggest city in the nation. He certainly worked for it. When he arrived in 1890, he worked as an auditor you for know the... What I mean. <laughs> but he worked as a... <laughs> He worked as an auditor for the Pacific Cable Company, but moved into real estate, which is why he was crazy about <laughs> boosting population because people got to live somewhere. Yeah. And if you own places where people got to live, then you get money in your pocket. But he also cared deeply about legitimizing Los Angeles. He was on all sorts of civic groups. Although when I look at them, they are all real estate related. He was president <laughs> of the Los Angeles Realty Board three times. He was the former president and honorary president of the California Real Estate Association, as well as the former president of the California State Chamber of Commerce. He soon established the W.M. Garland and Company, um, company <laughs> headquartered in henry huntington w.m garland company and company <laughs> company company and company and company. <laughs> company company and sons <laughs> he worked out of the henry huntington's pacific electric building on main street oh. with coles where he worked under henry huntington and he was also the president of the california standard finance corporation he also served as a colonel on the staff of the california's governor gillette as a member of the los angeles board of education and the public library board and hmm. one more thing as president of the los angeles art and association. he was a lizard <laughs> part of the lizard people he was president of the los angeles art association more hmm. importantly though he was the pacific coast 
delegate to the International Olympic Committee, IOC, mm. and the president of the organizing committee for the Olympics pool to the West. Between 1919 to 1923, Garland made six trips to Europe to appeal to the IOC for games to be played in the West. These trips were largely funded by Garland himself. Is he related to Judy Garland? Yeah. And what you decorate with Christmas. Also, yeah, he's also uh, related to the inanimate object. He's also related to Jeff Garland, even though it's not the last, it's one's Garland, one's Garland. Uh, they're related. People on the committee weren't crazy for what he was selling. They weren't crazy. Many of the international experts told him to forget his wild ideas, but he was persistent. He had a vision of Los Angeles as a thriving city, and he knew the Olympics would be the spotlight of prestige on Los Angeles that was required for his vision to become a reality. Shortly before the Olympics took place, the population of Los Angeles had just hit the million mark. But still, Los Angeles was an odd choice because little Los Angeles was still unknown to many. It was too small a community for such a mainstream sporting event. It was too untraditional. Los Angeles was so unknown as the city goes that when he proposed that the games be held here, he was asked if Los Angeles was near Hollywood, to which Garland responded that it was a suburb of Hollywood. Would, he had to tell them he had to point it out on a map for them one of the ioc i still don't get it what do you mean Where it's by the it? water but what <laughs> one of the ioc delegates promised his vote because he wanted to see how the movies were made <laughs> take fountain what's the quote it was his 1920 trip to rome where garland accompanied by zach farmer who was a secretary of the association against many expectations was able to secure the olympics for los angeles california with the condition that a stadium be erected that could house the games since there was nowhere in the city to do that. So that had to be done. But really, it was right to question Los Angeles. Well, I guess there had only been like 10 so far. Or you, yeah, it was. this was the 10th one. There was nine so before, yeah. yeah. So it, it wasn't that crazy to think about. Yeah, I'm not impressed. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I was impressed at first, and I thought, well, whatever. <laughs> I mean, at least we made it to the top 10. <laughs> I mean, all the other places were like from the, like, you know, whatever century they were established. Ninth century, Jesus walked there. Yeah. And here's Los Angeles. What do we get? Jesus. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> the modern day Jesus. <laughs> but really, it was right to question Los Angeles as the next stop of the Olympic Games. It was isolated and it was hard to get to. If you think about Los Angeles in 1920, much of the city hadn't even been connected to each other, like the little inner cities hadn't been connected yet, much less to other cities. It was a remote location. For European participants, it took a week to cross the Atlantic by ship and at least several more days, close to a week, to travel across the United States. <laughs> I didn't even think about that factor. Like, people probably died, like, along the yeah. way getting to. Yeah. Give yeah. me your tired, your weary, your... Jumpers. Your juicing. <laughs> and since time is money and the more you're traveling, the more money you have to dish out. And this was not only for athletes, but also for the coaches and Olympic officials. This was a huge financial feat for them. And they all had to go through Ellis Island and get their last names changed before they could compete. You're all Simpson now. <laughs> Who cares? You're all Johnsonville. Many people really didn't believe that the games would be held here. Even though it was secured, they still thought that this was going to change when the time came or that if it happened, it would be a farce. But that didn't bother Garland, however. And he moved forward with the one main condition, getting a stadium built. Garland and a number of other civic leaders banded together to form the Community Development Association, CDA, with the intention of building a coliseum in the spirit of ancient Rome, where world-class games could be held for the general public that would otherwise not get see a game in such a venue i didn't know that the coliseum was built for the olympics yeah isn't that weird no okay. keep going it was commissioned in 1920 and its groundbreaking was held in 1921 so you could see that garland and gang wasted no time in trying to get this epic stadium built in time for the 1924 olympics they put together a 950 thousand dollar investment to have this stadium built since they were bouncing back from the losses of world war one they decided to dedicate the athletic stadium to the war veterans which is why it's called the los angeles memorial coliseum oh. However, briefly, it was called the Olympic Stadium because we got to show more serious. <laughs> the uh, Olympic Memorial Olympic Stadium. <laughs> the Roman Empire Memorial Olympic Memorial <laughs> World War One Memorial Stadium Coliseum. Well, Los Angeles, throw that in there too. <laughs> of Los Angeles. Of Los Angeles. Uh, the place next to Hollywood. <laughs> right across the ocean, a quick trip. It's going to be an acronym one day, so it'll make more sense as one long word. <laughs> 
The Coliseum was designed by father and son architectural team John Parkinson and his son Donald. John Parkinson arrived in LA in 1894 where the population was half of what it was when the stadium was built. After touring other stadiums around the country, they decided their Coliseum would be as grand as possible done in a classic Roman Paris style, which mostly means Pear? open Paris style, oh. which from what I can understand of art stuff, mostly means open air and with columns. Sounds like own. a pair to me. And as grand as it was planning on being, concrete and steel helped to make the building of this damn thing affordable. It would also be built in a newly renamed and recently reformed Exposition Park, mm. which was earlier known as Agricultural Park, a rowdy adult amusement park mm-hmm. area. Fans of the show remember Agricultural Park from our Pacific Red and Yellow Line episode titled, quote, You're Killing Me, L-A-R-Y. This area had been reformed by the museums and it was to be a respectable place for putting a memorial stadium here museums are going up this is going to be respectable someday there's going to be a space shuttle here (laughs) what's that what's space (laughs) is that in the old world john parkinson is responsible for some huge la landmarks such as city hall union station and the bullocks wilshire building either by himself or in a design collective parkinson had participated in the design of 21 buildings on spring street alone in downtown most of them all still stand today including all four buildings at the intersection of spring and fifth street which they refer to as john parkinson square it's the rowan (laughs) building security national building hotel alexandria and the spring arts tower those are all his design and they're all at that intersection spring and fifth garland's plan for getting the 1920 Olympics host in Los Angeles was a bust. It was decided on Paris instead. But with Parkinson's draft for the Coliseum, he returned in 1921 and got approved for not the 1928 Games, which would take place in Amsterdam, but the 1932 Games, which would take place in Exposition Park, a suburb of, yes, you guessed it, Los Angeles. <laughs> and the committee was so impressed by Garland's vision and persistence on the matter that they made him a member of the Olympic Committee. Wow. Look at that. So uh, we got the pity games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the consolation games. Listen, what else do you want? Just stop coming. <laughs> like, what else? <laughs> the consolation Coliseum. Construction on Coliseum took less than two years and ended on May 1st, 1923. When the Coliseum opened in 1923, it was the largest stadium in LA with a capacity of 75,000 people, which was 13% of the population. (laughs) If there's any sort of natural disaster, you all move in here. (laughs) Into this bowl where if it's a flood, you'll all drown. It looks really small. Like from the outside, it looks small. Yeah, from the outside, it looks small. When like, you're in there, though, I, I mean, feel like I could throw a rock from one end to the other from the outside. Listen, that's everyone's folly. <laughs> you're going to fail at that just like Men everybody have else. lost their fortunes trying to follow through on that. John bet. Elway standing in one <laughs> corner of it. Like, I got this. I walked on the field because I had a breast cancer walk. So you end the thing and you walk on the field of it. And when you're down there, you're like, oh, yeah, this place is giant. Yeah, I feel like being inside. It, it's got like a, it's like a peanut M&M with a really thick outer shell. I don't think that it is. I think if you double check your notes, you'll see that the Coliseum is a peanut M&M. You know, I didn't like look through the archives or anything. I haven't like gone through the microfiche, but I'm pretty sure you're wrong. <laughs> no, I think if you look in there, you'll see it's a peanut. Oh no, it's creamy peanut butter. <laughs> oh no, I meant it's a gummy bear. <laughs> you know, I used to work there and we'd have to walk halfway around the stadium to get to one gate to walk to a bathroom and walking around, you're like, oh, this place is pretty big. It's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Five months later, after the opening in October of 1923, the first football game was played in the stadium. The Olympics didn't play till another like nine years later, yeah. so they had to do something with it. No one go in there. <laughs> it's sealed. It's just for the Olympics. We still have the plastic on the seats. Please don't sit in anything. The first game saw USC defeating Pomona College 23-7 to before a crowd of 1,200 people. It would be home field to the neighboring USC from then on and would also host the first LA Rams football game. Hmm. Fans of the show may remember that decades later in 1958 when the Dodgers first came yeah. to Los Angeles. They played here at the Coliseum. They played really weird games before <laughs> Dodgers Stadium. Yeah. Was built. So right away they had to begin preparing and early on Garland saw the finished Coliseum and thought 
we're going to need more seats, but that's later. That's my favorite quote from Jaws. Ah. In 1927, the organizing committee made up of 30 amateurs who had never been tasked with planning a worldwide event began planning and carrying out a worldwide event. Mm-hmm. They asked for an issuance of a million dollars worth of California state bonds to help out with the expenses for preparation. It was approved and led to the California Olympiad Bond Act of 1927, which was quite controversial because the state constitution had to be amended to do this. Zach Farmer, who had ventured to Europe with Garland to plead for the Olympics in LA, now ventured by himself to Berlin to meet with German oh, President no. Paul von Hindenburg. The purpose of the meeting was money, 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 money. (laughs) A farmer wanted to entice von Hindenburg to donate money, not promised to the Reichstag to send a team to Los Angeles. Von Hindenburg reluctantly agreed, but farmer got his way and it was... Oh my God, that guy will be forced into anything. And Uh, then he pointed to a young man with a silly mustache in the corner. (laughs) We'll get to that. It's Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) You mean modern day Jesus? (laughs) So with that money from the Reichstag, they were able to send competitors for their ding. By the way, Germany in 1932 was not a great time and Hindenburg was in his 80s, so you can see how the LA Olympics was fine whatever to him whatever <laughs> fine he was seen as the only person to stop Hitler's rise to power and the next year 1933 he appointed Hitler to the new chancellor yeah. position anyways we got some Reichstag money uh, the 1932 Los Angeles Olympics brought to you by Hitler dollars <laughs> Delicious, long-lasting Hitler dollars. Sponsored by Propaganda. So the Olympiad Bond Act of 1927 also allowed the CDA to enlarge the Coliseum maximum capacity of attendees. This was done as they saw an enormous possibility for tourism, immigration, and economic development. Money, 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 money. So in 1930, a large-scale $900,000 expansion began, and they put in 30,000 new seats to the stadium, bringing the total of 105,000 seats. Where'd they get all the seats? Where did they get the seats? How did they put more seats into something that's already been Built. I think they added seats above, like a top ring, from what I imagine. Hmm. That, or they just piled seats on top of each other, like bunk seats, <laughs> floating chairs. They had the technology at the time, but we ruined it. Because <laughs> we sat in them too much. That's what it was. Our fat butts from all these hot dogs. The Olympic torch was added to the peristyle on the east end of the stadium, as well as the Olympic rings, which are placed over the main center entrance to the peristyle. To this day, the torch is lit during the fourth quarter of the USC games, as well as other special occasions like the Olympics being held in other cities. Really? Olympics. So whenever there's an Olympics, that torch is lit? Here? Yeah. Many Olympic first happens in the 1932 Olympics of Los Angeles. One of them, the Olympic Village was built to house the athletes. Built in Baldwin Hills, construction was built hastily but fully operational. 552 bedroom pink and white portable bungalows were built along with a dining hall and a hospital. The bungalows were 10 feet by 10 feet rooms furnished with curtains plus four beds and wicker chairs. They were made to be taken apart easily and were built with the idea in mind that they would be carted off after the athletes had gone home. Each little bungalow had a patch of grass and a row of flowers leading to the door to make them feel <laughs> at home, not like they're just bumming it in Baldwin Hills. <laughs> and to avoid any anger over American food, the village had five dining rooms and each team was able to invite their own chef to cook for them. This was just for men though. Now those days Dames. Oh, no. That was the women they could invite, was the chef. <laughs> they don't get no room for them over in the bungalows. Why don't you stick them in, I don't know, the Chapman Park Hotel in Wilshire, now known as Chapman Plaza, where they could, I don't know, live lavishly for a couple weeks? <laughs> the Chapman Park Hotel was across the corner from the original Brown Derby and the mm. Ambassador Hotel where the Coconut Grove was. The ladies must have loved that. They love hats. They love restaurants that look like hats. That's all they like. When people think about visiting Los Angeles Hollywood style in the 20s, what they think about is like a two-week trip at the <laughs> Chapman Park Hotel. There's pictures of the women they just it just looks so cool they look like movie actresses they're just all you're gonna have to compete in full jewelry and heels because we paid for it and we want you to see you in it i just got this flapper bob and i think i could swim better so i think everyone should get one also i think the first time in olympic history that the genders were separated while visiting other cities to compete had been in los angeles prudes there was some initial hesitation to the olympic village holding men of different races beliefs and ideals under one roof for an extended period of time but that was overcome quickly and many of those being housed there still have fond memories of trying to overcome the language differences 
they could chum it up with other athletes, mm-hmm. which seems pretty cool. Here's something strange I read that I couldn't find anywhere else. I just found in one little passage. Apparently, at the Olympic Village, there were security officers dressed as cowboys. <laughs> I read it somewhere, and I don't know if it's true, but I God, I hope so. I mean, how could that not be true? <laughs> you know where you are. <laughs> it just makes so yeah. Welcome to the Wild West. <laughs> it was just Wyatt Earp kept trying to get involved and see what was happening. <laughs> it's all progress and money, 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 and nothing will ever stop us. It's 1929. And then the depression hit. Yay, welcome. Welcome back, depression. And the money didn't trickle down the way it should have. Because of the depression, less than half of the participants from the 1928 Olympics in Amsterdam competed. There were 1,332 participating athletes from 37 nations. Four years before in Amsterdam, there was 2,883 from 46 nations. Participation in the games was the lowest since 1904. By 1930, almost 350,000 residents of LA and Orange County were jobless. There were soup kitchens supplying free foods to desperate citizens on Broadway, Spring, and Figueroa, which was blocks away from the currently in-construction Memorial Coliseum. (laughs) Soup in a show. The governor at the time was under pressure to cancel the games because we couldn't afford it, but Garland and the CDA remained calm and pushed forward anyways, which seems kind of dicky at the time, but I'm glad they did. The depression meant that all the spending would have to be crucially and efficiently tight, but classy. (laughs) H.O. Davis was the managing director of the Olympic Village, and he had to arrange it so the money that the athletes paid would go back toward the cost of the construction just to break even. But the mm-hmm. committee had agreed to charge a meager $2 a day for each athlete there in the state. Give me those singles, boys. The cost for European visitors was reduced from $1,500 to $500 a person, meaning that this Olympic Village idea was officially a tradition and a requirement. <laughs> Instead of paying for room and board, the city would build a place for them to stay at. Yeah. It seems like all the Olympics are just about like, how are we going to how are we gonna <laughs> how afford we gonna this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this and still make it look like we didn't spend a lot of money? <laughs> you wanted it, LA? <laughs> they originally couldn't get an estimate on how many athletes would be participating so they couldn't really figure out how much room was needed to construct so all they could do really was guess so they built 500 bungalows for them which was almost perfect. <laughs> also just before the game September 1931 international tensions were high as Japan mm-hmm. had occupied Manchuria. No. They tried no. to enter athletes Get in the out of Manchuria <laughs> Japan. You're all sleeper cells. They tried to enter athletes <laughs> in the Olympics from the state they called Manchukuo but didn't succeed. China retaliated by sending a lone athlete sprinter Lua Cheng Chun who ran the 200 meter run. He was the first athlete to represent China. Oh. Oh, wow. The other access, Germany, was also uh, having a good year in 30 and 30 and 31. They certainly were. The Nazis were now... At the, the s- expense of no one. <laughs> <laughs> the Nazis were now the second largest political party in Germany. Hitler had become a best-selling author with Mein Kampf. Nice pocket money for Hitler. Brazil, to help fund their trip, sent a shipload of coffee with the team members in hopes of selling it <laughs> along the U.S. ports on the way to L.A. and they barely arrived in time to compete. What? Uh, yes. Look, if any of you guys win a medal when you're on the podium, <laughs> just hold this bag of coffee. You have to Think, sink a coffee. Set up a booth on the way out. <laughs> You'll sign autographs and make sure you move that coffee. We didn't compete much, but we made profit with the coffee. We drank Broke all the even. coffee. We drank all the we coffee. We drank all the coffee and we won in all the competitions <laughs> we weren't in. We made up our own games and won at those. You know, back heaven? Brazil. Back in Los Angeles, Hollywood helped promote the games to potential tourists across the country and internationally through radio. They had a half-hour program on CBS that sent overseas on shortwave radio an international invitation to the Los Angeles Summer Olympics. Aiding in outreach were stars such as Marlene Dietrich, mm-hmm. Marino Sullivan, mm-hmm. Mela Lugosi, <laughs> Jimmy Durante, and Laurel and Hardy. Representing Transylvania. <laughs> but don't come. The invitations were also sent out in different languages for different countries. Charlie Chaplin draped his mansion in Olympic regalia, of course and Louis did. B. Mayer of MGM hosted a party to help funds. 
Another broadcast came. Generous. Another broadcast called Come to the Olympics aired on July 7th over the KECA and NBC network from the Hollywood Bowl, the Olympic Village, and the Olympic Stadium. It showcased Douglas Fairbanks and his junk food loving wife, Mary Pickford. <laughs> of course she's involved. Along with Will Rogers. It was being decided what other venues could hold the game since the Olympic Stadium, aka the Memorial Coliseum, was limited in its design. After scouting, they selected some familiar spots. Uh, cycling would be featured at the Rose Bowl. The Olympic Auditorium, which was built in 1924, would house boxing, weightlifting, and wrestling. The LA Harbor would be used for sailing. The Long Beach Marine Stadium and would beach be- wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta wrestle an animal. Get that dolphin over here. Come they here. keep dying. That means we're winning. <laughs> the Long Beach Marine Stadium would be used for rowing. Swimming sports such as water polo, Olympic swimming, and diving would be held at the LA Swimming Stadium near the Coliseum. Rifle and pistol competitions were held at the LA Police Academy in Elysian Park. Funds were really? pro- yeah, huh. funds were provided by the city of LA for the streets to be gaily decorated from the Olympic flags and banners. There's pictures that they went like all out. You'd think that the uh I forgot the Fiesta Parade was going on there <laughs> i forgot what it's called i don't listen to this stupid podcast <laughs> i can't listen to these ridiculous people do it i don't even make it past the intros Are you oh, kidding wait. me oh it's us the microphone's still on oh no leave us a review <laughs> around this time a prominent la street known simply as 10th street was renamed after the games olympic boulevard oh you ever think about that no now i can't never. stop thinking about it <laughs> visiting athletes came to town in july of 1932 by train and steamship some traveled thousands of miles for the first olympic games on the pacific side of the world japan arrived with the largest load of travelers 225 athletes trainers coaches and officials they That's so weird that japan had the most athletes yeah i mean they took over uh <laughs> yeah they took over manchuria most so they of had- their athletes came from Manchuria. <laughs> Freshly Japanese. Okay, who's strong? <laughs> Which one of you are really good at shot put? <laughs> None of these people are good at running. <laughs> the ones that are good at running are already, <laughs> they're already they're halfway into Thailand. Horrible things happen in Manchuria. I don't want to read any more articles than the one I read because it made me cry. <laughs> they, along with the visitors from Australia, New Zealand, and the Philippines entered the San Pedro Harbor. European teams landed in New York, so weird. then traveled west via the railroad, and the teams from South America entered through New Orleans. And they, they never came here, and they never made it. <laughs> and Donald Trump's grandfather tried to keep them from coming. <laughs> no. He set fire to them because they didn't mean anything back then. Consider yourself pink slipped. (laughs) Back to the firsts. It was also these games where the modern Olympic format was adopted. Between 1900 to 1928, no summer game had been shorter than 79 days. 79 days? Can you imagine that? That's like the summer and fall games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like like a long time. (laughs) That's like (laughs) three months. Hang on, give me a minute. A long time. <laughs> oh, oh, for the longest time. That's ridiculous. Yeah. How much is a month? 30 days? Yeah, it's way more than two months. <laughs> yeah, it's way more than that. Yeah, it's 79 is way more than 30. <laughs> but here in Los Angeles, the games lasted 16 days. And since then, it has remained between 15 to But getting days. getting to the stadiums took 79 days. Ha, 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 Traffic. 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 Wait, it's a tra- traffic. Hold on. Wait a minute. It's traffic. Oh, are they taking the 405? Oh, tra- wait a minute. Traffic. <laughs> Why didn't they just Uber? They should have Ubered. Why didn't everyone just take a hot air balloon Uber? <laughs> Another first for the 32 Olympics was the Olympic... Hinden Uber. Go on. <laughs> Another first for the 32 Olympics was the Olympic victory stand, which had the gold medal standing on top, the silver medal underneath that. had never been that. done before? Nope. And the bronze medal... Sh- <laughs> not far off the ground, but <laughs> off the ground. The bronze medal standing on a leaf <laughs> that is on the ground. Standing on a loser's shoes <laughs> that just get off the ground. Standing on the winner's coattails... <laughs> <laughs> is the bronze medal winner. What did they do before? They would just stand there? Yeah. How do you exert dominance? <laughs> Which is what the Olympics is about. <laughs> to shove it to Azerbaijan. That's, <laughs> that's why we're in the Olympics. You hear me, Hitler? The emblem for the 32 Olympics was composed of the American flag presented in the form of the arms accompanied in the foreground by the Olympic rings with the Olympic motto.
motto, Sidious Altus Fortius, faster, higher, stronger, and a laurel branch, the symbol of victory. And Daft Punk remixed that. <laughs> the opening ceremonies for the 32 Olympics was an insane display of artistry and pageantry with a record crowd of 101,000 spectators, which is almost capacity of the Coliseum, which they built. They cheered on 1,500 athletes from 40 countries. A 300-piece band performed for their entrance. Although the number of visiting athletes and the visiting spectators was low, it was still a grand event because it drew in like most of the population of yeah, Los Angeles. What else are you going to do? Exactly. It was also the introduction... Wait, jump off of a building? It was also the introduction of national anthems and the raising of flags in honor of the victors during the medal ceremonies. Wow. The first time that happened was 1932 Olympics. That's so... The, the 84 Olympics also like remade the game. Like LA really? kind of made the Olympics. It's kind of weird to that think about. That is really weird. Now, I don't even know how to begin to cover the Olympic Games, but I'll give what I'll consider highlights. The star of the 1930... The beginning and end. <laughs> the pageantry and the end of the pageantry. A gun goes off. <laughs> A man screams out in pain, <laughs> the first gang violence. The star of the 1932 Summer Olympics was 18-year-old Mildred Babe Dedrick Dedrickson. Dedrickson of Wait a Texas. Minute. Say his name. His name isn't Mildred Babe Dedrick Dedrick Dedrickson, well, is it? Her name is Mildred Babe Dedrickson of Texas. Excuse me. I'm with sorry, honor. I forgot women were here. Oh, golly. <laughs> Who won two gold medals in the javelin and 80-meter hurdle events and a silver medal in high jump. She was deprived of a third gold medal, sadly, and it seems like many people remember that most about the 32 Olympics. <laughs> Great. That's what we remember is... <laughs> Our hero failing. She tied with teammate Jean Sheely in the high jump, resulting in a jump off between the two. After, <laughs> after Diedrichsen performed... Someone lay down a beat. <laughs> it's got to be sick. Preferably a very fatty one. <laughs> it's the Olympics after all. Manchuria's here. <laughs> we got to show the rest of the world we know how to party. <laughs> we don't want to embarrass ourselves in front of Liechtenstein. <laughs> and Hindenburg. Von Hindenburg. After Diedrichsen performed, the judge charged that she dived over the bar, which was really a new uh -huh. technique called the Western Roll, which required one arm arm and one leg over the bar before the head crossed and she because of that awarded the gold medal to Sheely and Dietrichsen took the silver medal. Dietrichsen qualified in all five women track and field events but competitors could only compete in three events so she could have really done well in the discus throw and the relay and the long jump but she was only allowed to do three. So she was later in 1950 named one of the greatest female athletes of the first half of the 20th century. Eddie Toland won gold medals in the 100 meter and 200 meter sprint events. There was debate over who broke the tape in the 100 meter dash, Toland or the competitor Ralph Metcalf, but that was resolved in the very first use of the photo finish camera. Really? Mm -hmm. The 32 games were also the first instance of the automatic timing in track and field. Helene Madison won three gold medals in freestyle swimming. She was the first woman to win three gold medals at the Olympics. She could have been Dietrichsen, but it wasn't. Modern day Michael Phelps. <laughs> she earned them in the 100 meter and 400 meter freestyle races and earned the third gold medal as part of the U.S. relay team. Overall, the American women dominated in swimming, taking four of the five medals. Georgia Coleman won a gold and silver medal in the diving events. The swim team from Japan, made up almost entirely of teenagers, won five of the six men <laughs> swim events they kept peeing in the pool <laughs> and they said deal with it Kitamuro Kitsuo who won the gold medal in the 1500 meter freestyle race was 14 years old what? became the youngest male swimmer ever to win the Olympic event the youngest athlete was swimmer 13 year old Ralph Flanagan of Los Alamitos California <laughs> oh. the oldest athlete at the time was Canadian's own George Giles of the sailing team he was 104 <laughs> he wouldn't stop aging he was the old man in the sea <laughs> Stella Walsh who participated under her Polish name is going to be hard to say Stanislawa Walla Zaswitz, mm -hmm. um, sorry, earned a gold medal in the 100 meter race, equaling the world record.
record with a time of 11.9 seconds. In the 36 games, she earned a silver medal. She was seen as one of the greatest athletes of her time, and she had an unusually long stride. Many said that she ran like a male runner. <laughs> In 1969, she was shot and killed in the Cleveland parking lot in the crossfire armed robbery. That's a bummer, but here's something weird. Her autopsy revealed that she had a chromosomal disorder known as mosaicism, which meant that Walsh had sexually ambiguous genitalia. Wow. Mosaicism is a condition in which cells within the same person have different genetic makeup. Huh. There's a documentary on her. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm really? kind of interested. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Some controversies. First uh, semi-transgender Olympian. Yeah, maybe. possibly. Or both gender. Both genders, yeah. <laughs> like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Not confirmed. Not confirmed. <laughs> oh, I've confirmed it. Some controversies. Finn Nermi and Frenchman Jules Ladumeg registered as professionals. They could not participate because they were professionals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, can't you do then that. used to be, you had to be an amateur. Yeah, you had to be an amateur, which is why everyone went through the AAU, I think. I, I wouldn't that. know because I'm not an amateur in anything. <laughs> I start pro and I just get bigger from there. <laughs> I start pro and I turn elite. I read that football had to be removed as Olympic sport, but I also read that USC and a lot of other college teams played, so it's I don't really kept, know if that's true or not. They can't be stopped. There was an uproar when the winner of the gold in the 1500 meter run medal, Luigi Balcali of Italy, mounted a newly established victory stand and gave a fascist salute. Oh boy. Oh boy. The other access showed up. <laughs> Later, Bacali was drinking champagne with his pals. Why is that a big deal? Prohibition had about another year to go before it was repealed. <laughs> shame, shame, Luigi. I'd say good for you, but I was blinded by your fascist salute. <laughs> U.S. walked away with 41 gold medals, 32 silver, and 30 bronze, achieving a total of 103 medals. They were funded by Italy, France, Sweden, and Japan. Britain placed eighth, Aussies came in tenth, and New Zealand came in butt last. Really? Yeah. How many did they get? I didn't. Read. I guess zero. Yeah. Maybe they got medals taken away from them. <laughs> the closing ceremonies gave everyone a nice subtle goodbye. A choir of 1,200. <laughs> subtle goodbye. Subtle. Get out of here. A choir of about 12. Saying aloha, farewell to thee. Trumpeters at the top of the stadium, parastyle sounded taps as the Olympic flame faded away. The scoreboard hmm. read, May the Olympic torch pursue its way through the ages. One of the athletes for the United States swim team, Clarence Buster Crab, set the record in the 400 meter freestyle swim, which he almost, he almost. Of course he's a swimmer. Of course he's a swimmer. Clarence Buster, Buster Crab. He almost lost to the team in Japan. A year later, Crab would star in the role of Tarzan in several Tarzan film serials. What? He would also play Buck Rogers and Billy the Kid. Really? Yep. The Olympics. Swimming star of 1928, Johnny Westmuller, had also previously starred as Tarzan. Yeah, Swim I'm team. Glad he's on our team. <laughs> yeah, we, to think he's a, why two Tarzans. You'd think he would be better at like Aquaman. <laughs> Hire him as Aquaman. You know that character that hasn't been made? What's Marvel's Aquaman? Submariner. Thank you. The Olympic game was long revered You're as <laughs> The Olympic game was long revered as one of the best, mostly because it existed in defiance of the Great Depression. Mm. It accomplished an extraordinary feat. New Olympic traditions were started, sixteen world records were shattered, and two others matched. A total of thirty two Olympic marks were broken. It's also the last time the Olympics were affected before the rise of the Nazi Party. The nineteen thirty six Summer Olympics would take place in Berlin, and Germany did everything they could do to outdo the thirty two LA Olympics, but all most people remember is Jesse Owens sticking it to Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Over 400,000 visitors passed through the area and local businesses earned $50 million in a two-week period where Ali hosted the games. The 32 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles was the first time that the Olympics was able to turn a profit for a host city. Yeah. It's all about the money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Donald Trump's theme song. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So we, we did it. We did it. We did it. By golly, and we did it. And that's the only Olympics <laughs> that has ever happened. Never again. <laughs> Certainly not in the 80s, the most boring of periods. The, <laughs> the least conducive to athleticism. <laughs> so yeah, that was 1932. Yep. Let's fast forward a little bit. <laughs> let's, let's pull a Jesse Owens and <gasps> run straight past Hitler into the <laughs> 80s. On your mark. Get set. <laughs> History lesson. Oh, boy. Boy, did I hate that. <laughs> Not as much as everyone else listening. <laughs> so you heard about the first Olympics to hit LA, or as I like to call it, the semifinals. Oh. This is the real Olympics, everybody. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the sound of everyone not in the stands at the 32 Olympics. <laughs> they were so poor. So the first LA Olympics was a big success, but by the time the 80s came around, the Olympics, much like most everything else in the 80s, had lost its way. Oh no. Yeah, we gotta find it. Oh no. Did the town. 70s ruin everything? The wave a little toasted. <laughs> the 1968 games in Mexico City started not even two weeks after the Tlaltelolco massacre, covered by oh, our boy. old friend Ruben Salazar. Yeah. Listen to March Madness to find out about that, where the yeah. government killed a bunch of college students, mm-hmm. so that was the climate of the 68 Olympics. 1972 Olympics in Munich had 11 Israeli athletes kidnapped and killed by Black <laughs> September. That's right. The 1970... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that. The 1976 games in Montreal left the city in $1.16 billion oh. in debt. That in the long run, it ended up costing each citizen of the city $700 in taxes, and it wasn't paid off until 2006. Oh, my God. Wait, what, what country is this? Montre- Montreal. Oh, the country, Canada. the great country of Montreal. Then the 1980 games in Moscow was boycotted by the United States and 60 other countries because of Soviet intervention in Afghanistan oh, in 1979. Yeah. So by the time the 80s was in full swing and the swing revival was still a decade away, it was a huge risk for any city to put on yeah. the Olympics and the Olympic brand was said to be broken, but that never stopped little Los Angeles, the city of big risks and minimal rewards. <laughs> Just ask everyone on Hollywood Boulevard. The city had bid for the 1980s 80 games as well, but lost out on that one to Moscow. But come 1978, when it was time to select the 1984 city, there were only two bidders. Oh, Los Angeles and Tehran. But before Tehran could make a formal bid, their country went through a sweeping revolution and politely withdrew their submission. So it's weird that both like... By default, by default, by default. Say with Berlin, like, uh, we're kind (laughs) of... We're a little busy right now. (laughs) So that left Los Angeles as the only city in the world interested in hosting the 1984 Olympics and after a quick round of asking isn't there anybody else in every language imaginable LA was once again awarded the games of the 23rd Olympiad by default by default this was the first Olympics in the United States in 52 years the 1932 one was the last one in fact shortly after the success of the 1932 games the Southern California Committee for the Olympic Games was formed to try to bring the games back as soon as they could which turned out to be a brisk 52 years. Mm -hmm. Now let's get into the specifics on why nobody wanted to host the Olympics. They thought canoeing was boring. It is. More importantly, no city wanted to use public money to pay for the Olympics. So the modern Olympic Games started in 1896, and that was privately funded. But every other one since then was paid for with taxpayer money. And apparently, if you do anything long enough, it becomes a tradition. So that was the way the International Olympic Committee liked the Games to be paid for. But they disguised their argument as nobly putting on the Games for the sake of the Games, no matter what the cost, but times had changed. And the LA government saw that, so they decided that their Olympic Games would not be paid for by the public, but would be privately funded. And this was so offensive to the Europeans mm-hmm. that the IOC refused to allow them to do that. Then Mayor Tom Bradley said, okay, then we're not hosting the Games. And then the IOC remembered there was no backup Ooh. city. So they agreed, but they wanted to see a plan before anything was finalized. So Tom Bradley set up a private group called the Los Angeles Olympic Organizing Committee, headquartered in beautiful... Culver City. Oh, beautiful. Oh, this time of year. Mm. <laughs> My God, the way that they have ooh, a train. The, the trees are doing what they're supposed to do. <laughs> Die. <laughs> Burn upon impact of the sun. <laughs> the chairman of the the chairman. <laughs> this was more of a justice league than a committee. <laughs> was a man named Paul with the almost perfect last name. 
Ziffrin. Mm, so close. So close. <laughs> the executive vice president was Harry L. Usher, but the main character here, the president and general manager of the committee, elected March 26, 1979, Peter Uberoth. Uberoth was the founder and head of First Travel Corporation, which at the time was second only to American Express as the largest travel business in North America. So the plan, the LAOOC, that's what I call it, yeah. spearheaded by Uberoth, was to raise a $500 million budget made up entirely of ticket sales, sponsorships, and television rights. Wow. As you broth explained it, free enterprise, private sector Olympics with no taxpayer money. So let's go over his plan. Ticket sales. Pretty straightforward. Give people tickets. They give you money in return. Find out the tickets are fake. You're already on a beach in Guatemala. <laughs> you don't have to answer to anybody. <laughs> You'll be drinking out of a coconut. <laughs> tickets for event went on sale two years in advance and for the opening ceremony at that point you could get in for between 50 to $200 but the day of tickets were selling for $1,500. Okay, that's in, much. In the, and I, I, I'll pay it. I'll pay for everybody in this city to go. In the end, they ended up taking in just under $140 million in ticket sales. Phase two, sponsorships. Set your phasers to buy. <laughs> With the Uberoth plan, commercialism became a part of the Olympics for the first time. He sold off the rights to companies to put the Olympic logo on their products and to market themselves as the official blank of the Olympics, yeah. the official tie of the Olympics. You were probably wearing the official diaper of the Olympics. I, I was, but I remember <laughs> growing up with a lot of weird Olympic stuff being like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> why am I brushing my teeth with the official <laughs> toothpaste of the Olympics. It makes your teeth stronger, that's why. <laughs> it, it tastes like the Congo. <laughs> <laughs> there had been sponsors in previous Olympics, but this time Ubroth didn't allow as many sponsors in the theory that if there were fewer sponsors, the big names would pay top dollar to make the cut. And this theory worked out perfectly. 43 companies were licensed to sell official Olympic merchandise like Anheuser-Busch, Coca-Cola, M&M, Mars, and IBM. McDonald's was the official hamburger provider of the Olympics. They even sold off spots on AT&T Presents the Olympic Torch Relay for $3,000 a kilometer. Everything cost money. If you won a gold medal, you have to. You you had to provide the gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was also the first time track and field stars openly endorsed products. Oh boy. The committee ended up taking in $130 million in sponsorships. Strangely enough, Nike wasn't the company it now is, so they weren't willing to spend the $4 million to be the official shoe of the Olympics. So instead, they put up murals all around the Coliseum of Nike endorsing athletes. The official shoe title went to... Converse. Really? Yeah. You can't run into Converse. No. <laughs> Please don't even walk fast. <laughs> we need to find an official foot repair man. <laughs> the official sock title went to old one with a hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here all month in, in case you forget <laughs> because I'm sure you'll be asking because why not now the third prong was the TV rights as the Otara Millionaires Club once said hey buy the rights and ABC did just that for the whopping not whopper nice try Burger King sum of 225 million dollars to broadcast 180 hours of coverage making it the biggest Olympic broadcast ever wow. it was also the first time that the games were designed to appeal to non-sports fans and shown in prime time so the constant presence of TV cameras was something LA loved yeah. and they took that into consideration during the planning for the games they hired the design and architectural firms of Sussman Preja and the Jurd partnership beautiful names to decorate the t they just flow off the tongue. <laughs> they hired them to decorate the town in what was termed festive federalism. Oh boy. Which basically meant covering the city in bright colors like magenta and green and hot pink and orange and flashy shiny things that would pop and look good on TV. So that's why everything was so ugly in the 80s because oh, it had to look good on TV. That's why we needed a president to be so good looking because there's TV cameras everywhere. <laughs> that's why we got an actor to do it. <laughs> 
So all this and some more private fundraising added up to the first privately funded Olympics since the first modern one. And as much as the IOC hemmed and hawed, this is now part of the standard practice of how all the Olympics are run. Yeah. Saving money was priority number one in the planning. The LAOOC ran on no frills and Uberoth could verge on the edge of cheap many times with buildings for the committee that weren't big enough to hold everyone and the staff and many people not being paid enough. But Uberoth wanted to save as much as he could even though after the games he gave himself a $475,000 bonus. Don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... The other innovative feature of this planning was the use of already existing venues, which saved hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. Building new venues and structures that never get used after the Olympics are over is usually what sends Olympic cities into debt, but the LAOOC saw a way around this. They only built three new venues and they adapted all the rest of them. Two things were working to LA's advantage. One was that we had already had an Olympic Games here, yeah. so there were structures in place that were known to be able to get the job done. The second was the sprawl of the city. Normally, the reason most people hate LA, it made the LA OOC plan possible because nobody was expecting everything to happen in one built-up right. city center because LA didn't have just one built-up city center. We have many unbuilt up city centers. (laughs) So since there were so many ready to use venues spread throughout the city, we could bypass the building up of one area and just showcase how many different parts of the city there are instead. Yeah, so we used what we had. They renovated the Coliseum, giving it a new paint job and a new track circus. Track circus. They Everyone had to play around the circus. <laughs> da, 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 da. Go ahead. <laughs> they put in digital scoreboards and video screens. Then they used the Coliseum for the opening and closing ceremonies and for the track and field stuff. They had archery at El Dorado Park in Long Beach, basketball in the Forum, boxing in the LA Memorial Sports Arena. They mm-hmm. crossed city limits and had canoeing in Lake Casitas near Santa Barbara. Wow, they went all the way to Santa Barbara. Yeah. They had equestrian at Santa Anita Park and stepped outside the city again to have some stuff at Fairbanks Ranch near San Diego, more equestrian stuff. Fencing at the Long Beach Convention. Center, soccer at the Rose Bowl, gymnastics were held at UCLA at Poly Pavilion, the John Wooden Recreation Center, and the Sunset Canyon Recreation Center, handball at the Forum, and also out of the city at Titan Gymnasium at CSU Fullerton, cool. field hockey at Weingart Stadium on the East LA College campus, judo was at the Eagles Nest Arena at CSU LA. Wow, they went everywhere. Everywhere. The pentathlon was at Coto de Casa in the Heritage Park Aquatic Center, yet again outside the city in Irvine. Rowing was outside the city at Lake Casitas again. Shooting at the uh, there was a shooting at the Olympic <laughs> shooting range. Oh, no. This just in from 1984. <laughs> shooting at the Olympic shooting range at the Prado Recreation Center in Chino. Volleyball at the Long Beach Arena. Weightlifting at Albert Gertzen Pavilion at Loyola Marymount. Wrestling in the Anaheim Convention Center. Yachting in the Long Beach Marina and Harbor. Baseball at Dodger Stadium. The venues they built were the Los Angeles Tennis Center at UCLA for... Turnus. They played turnips. <laughs> then the cycling velodrome at Cal State Dominguez Hills, built for $4 million, paid for by the Southland Corporation, which was replaced in 2004 by the ADT Event Center. But the StubHub Center is where the original velodrome was. Okay. Cycling also took place on the Artesia Freeway and at Mission Viejo. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, uh, just stay to the right. <laughs> stay in the carpool lane. Nobody uses it. <laughs> the third thing they built was a new $4 million swimming center at USC to replace the tiny 1932 one paid for yeah. by McDonald's. McDonald's. It was filled with cheeseburgers. <laughs> cheeseburgers and barbecue sauce. <laughs> a swimming also happened at the Rally Runnels Memorial Pool at Pepperdine. The LAOOC also gave money to found the UCLA Olympic Analytic Laboratory to test athletes for performance enhancing drugs. That haven't happened in 84. 
what do you think people weren't doing drugs in 1984 i didn't know you were getting tested for it in 1984 <laughs> I thought you got, I thought that they were being in... tested but they were mostly looking the other way <laughs> they, they couldn't read the results because they were so high cocaine was still legal then it was understood <laughs> you're not using marijuana are you <laughs> no, not just morphine slow. and cocaine so they're still using this drug testing center but it's under the new name the peter v uberoth building oh okay for the olympic villages they just used the dorms at usc ucla and uc santa barbara oh, wow. yeah okay. they just re- they were they really not even repurposed just like change the sheets <laughs> <laughs> they were really thrifty with things to make these places fit into the festive federalism aesthetic that they were going through they just put banners on them and called it olympic fine just like no. draw a ring yeah <laughs> draw a couple rings <laughs> they were revitalizing parts of town that needed it without being at the expense of the locals yeah so the stage was set and bain was ready announced to let the games begin but then something not totally unexpected happened on may 8th 1984 the day the torch relay from new york to la began 12 weeks before the opening ceremony the soviet union announced that it was boycotting the olympics oh yep Joining them were the countries allied with them and in their thrall, Afghanistan, Bulgaria, Cuba, Czechoslovakia, Ethiopia, East Germany, Hungary, Laos, Mongolia, North Korea, Poland, South Yemen, and Vietnam. They cited a few things as their reasons for boycotting. One was the blatant commercialism. Right. Another was that they feared for the safety of their athletes because of the anti-Soviet hysteria they said was being whipped up. They weren't wrong. Red Dawn. They were sure that protests would arise, but they were not sure that the U.S. officials would do anything to protect the Soviet athletes if anything happened. Not entirely wrong. I think it's pretty clear they were boycotting to get back in the U.S. for boycotting their Olympics. High five. I like cheap retaliation like that. Let's play the Olympic Games. Let's do this sort of who does what with nuclear bombs <laughs> who can get to the big button faster that was the newest game in the olympics <laughs> who can turn the key fastest the boycotting commies instead had their own games called the Druzhba 84 or the friendship games one can only assume they were lame <laughs> <laughs> who can shake hands better who gives the tightest hugs go <laughs> we all win <laughs> except for you you and you you two go to slave camps no but, hugging allowed <laughs> but as the motto of the la olympic goes the show must go on so stalinism be damned go went the show but before the fun could begin some questionable things had to be done like mayor tom bradley giving new temporary power to the lapd to put a lot of suspected well yeah which always never do that please my favorite start to any sentence please kept it in check they put a lot of suspected gang members behind bars okay i'm air quoting furiously so that they wouldn't cause any trouble during the games this obviously caused a lot of trouble <laughs> trouble that would spill over in the next decade during the riots oh, great. security was also a big deal here they rounded up over a hundred helicopters the coast guard stationed over 3,000 troops and brought like a fleet of craft out to sea protecting the coastline about a hundred national guardsmen were sent in and it all added up to the largest security force ever amassed during peacetime did they bring the cowboys too <laughs> they bring in the cavalry yeah. that is an insane state to live in yeah they could have just launched war like we yeah have, we, we have everybody here <laughs> the soviets are over there <laughs> we've got all of our friendly nations yeah. let's just attack they were all hanging out in culver city <laughs> there were also scores of other personnel including twenty five thousand volunteers the opening ceremony was set for july 28th but starting june 1st up until the end of the games they had the olympic arts festival that featured art displays and performances all over the city from over 145 groups performing in 12 different languages italian baton twirlers would pop up randomly in the streets oh cool yeah. Yeah. Japan- yeah, the guy's throwing 
Oh, then he's doing, supposed to be doing that. <laughs> Japanese rope acrobats hung off the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Oh. Someone get them down. This art festival <laughs> get is... Down. It, <laughs> you get off of there. This art festival is also responsible for all the Olympic murals that linked the spread out venues throughout the city. Along the freeway. Yeah. Yeah. And other ones. Yeah. You know, you've graffitied all over them. <laughs> the night before the opening ceremony, they had prelude to the Olympics, a gala concert at the Hollywood Bowl, and then came July 28th, a huge opening ceremony at the Coliseum. It was the biggest one ever period good night everybody you can watch the whole thing on youtube and it's considered the first of the spectacle opening ceremonies that they all are now yeah it's ridiculous yeah Yeah. thousands of actors were involved 84 guys in tuxedos played rhapsody in blue on 84 baby grand pianos they brought out the mascot for the la olympics an eagle in an uncle sam hat named sam you know I've seen that before and I've always rolled my eyes and I had no idea it was linked to that. Yeah, he was designed by Disney animator Bob Moore and even had a cartoon where he was a detective and used the magic of the five Olympic rings to solve crime. Mm, Turn this podcast off, we're done. (laughs) Turn this podcast off, we're watching all of them. (laughs) That sounds like Apollo Creed entering to fight Rocky. That's all I could picture. (laughs) Better received walking into the Coliseum than Sam the Eagle were the athletes from Romania who got a standing ovation for being the only Soviet satellite country to ignore or the boycott. Oh, cool. They were all enslaved. One person who didn't need a standing ovation because he could give it to himself was the man in a jetpack who landed in the <gasps> stadium. What? Yeah. We had jetpacks in 84? Mm-hmm. Well, we had one. He won't give it to us. <laughs> all right, so give us the give us the jetpack. The ceremony's over. You forget I'm in the jetpack. Oh, and he was never seen again. <laughs> he quickly crash landed into the Natural History Museum. This ceremony also introduced the world to the new theme song of the Olympics, Sugar Sugar by the, <laughs> by the Archies. Since 1960, ABC had always used a song written in 1958 called The Bugler's Dream by Leo Arnaud. That's the one that goes, I like that, where it goes, dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. I'm a bugler. This is my dream. <laughs> but for this, the LAOOC commissioned a new song to be made, and the man they hired to do it was the Cantina song composer himself, John Williams. Really? Yeah, he played Olympic fanfare and theme, and eventually these two merged together to be the music of the Olympics that we now know today. So his, like, they, they do like, and then it goes to, yeah, that's, that's John, John Williams. Williams? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was going to submit the theme from 1941. <laughs> yeah. There was no theme. There. The theme was just John Belushi screaming. <laughs> Scream crying. <laughs> this is the only cries he could do. Then came time for the big moment. Sam the Eagle was about to tell the world who was really responsible for Watergate. <laughs> No one wants to it hear was it, you Sam. and me. <laughs> he wasn't a crook. We were the crooks. <laughs> We've all been Twilight Zone. <laughs> what, what, what did stupid Sam the Eagle do? Sam, I don't know. He probably got burned by the jetpack. Did he regurgitate food in everyone's mouth? <laughs> he fed his babies, which were horrific. <laughs> After that horrific moment came the lighting of the Olympic cauldron. Oh, cool. 2,500 pigeons were released. And running into the stadium with the torch came Jesse Owens' granddaughter, oh, cool. who then passed the flame to Rafer Johnson, former athlete and the man who was by RFK's side when he was shot. Really? Mm-hmm. It's all coming together. Yeah. Here, warm California guns hear about that. Johnson was having some leg troubles at the time, so in case he couldn't light it, on hand as the backup, Bruce Jenner. Really? Yeah. But Rayford delivered and he lit up the same cauldron that they used in the 1932 games. Wow. And with that, President Ronald Reagan, the, the athlete, athlete? <laughs> <laughs> he declared the games 
open. <laughs> it was a spectacular ceremony that the Soviets accused of being propaganda and the games began. <laughs> and with those, which is always required by the Soviets, the games began. Even with the boycott, there were still more countries and athletes involved in these games than any before it, with 6,829 athletes wow. from 140 countries competing in 221 events in 26 sports. Damn. This included 17 new sports to the Olympics, 13 of these being for women, such as synchronized swimming, rifle competitions, rhythmic gymnastics, and some cycling, but the most notable was the marathon. Women previously weren't allowed to compete in the marathon because in the 20s, a doctor said that women who ran too far would become old too soon. Oh, 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 oh my God. <laughs> when you hear about sexism in the past, you think it's a little more veiled than that. <laughs> you think it also has more like medical research yeah. behind it. Dude, yeah. she, she ran from 32 to 61. I'm not kissing that. <laughs> she ran herself frumpy. So they would become too old too soon and nobody wants that. Am I right, sausage bros? <laughs> so this woman's marathon went from Santa Monica College down the Marina Freeway for a little bit and finished in the Coliseum. This was the marathon where Gabriella Anderson Scheiss could barely finish the race because she missed, you know, when like the, have you seen oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the video where she like gets she, all wobbly and yeah, falls Yeah, because she missed the last water station and the August LA heat apparently wasn't her favorite climate to run forever oh, and wow. so yeah that's why that happened but I didn't her. know it was in LA yeah, yeah neither did I that's weird where else would it of course yeah, it of happened course, in LA yeah. she did it for show because that was her audition real <laughs> she uh, was auditioning for some sort of weak athlete in the weak <laughs> athlete chronicles this was China's first summer Olympics since 1952 and their first full Olympic team ever athletes from other countries had to be told to stop training on the freeways when they weren't busy <laughs> worst relay practice ever all right, so you get in the Volkswagen bug. <laughs> the Olympics always sound like fun to me. That like that sort yeah. of stuff happens. Yeah. These were the games of Greg Louganis and Mary Lou Retton becoming the first non-Eastern European gymnast to win the all-around title, scoring perfect tens on the floor exercises and vault to win gold. Mm -hmm. Carl Lewis of America tied the record Jesse Owens set in 1936 oh, with cool. gold medals in the 100, 200 meter dash, the long jump, and the 400 meter relay. It was a good year for the Americans. A Chinese athlete named Li Ning got the most individual medals with six mm -hmm. but the usa had the most medals with 174 wow. 37 of those went to athletes from ucla to compare we had 174 second place was west germany they had 59 medals oh. <laughs> this was great for the usa not so great for mcdonald's who promised to give away free big macs for every gold america takes in fries for every silver and a coke for every bronze oh. they did this in the 1976 olympics but they didn't take into consideration that in 1984 the ussr wasn't competing so America took all of the medals and McDonald's ended up losing millions of dollars. <laughs> That's why they got rid of all of those cartoon no, they couldn't afford, afford them anymore. Grimace, I'm sorry. You gotta hit the road. You gotta go back to Monsterville. <laughs> there was a lot of fuss made over the potential traffic apocalypse leading up to the games, and the first Friday of the games was referred to as Black Friday because there were events going on at 19 venues across the city. <laughs> but things were planned so well, everything was fine. A lot of people had left town for the Olympics, like I'm not yeah, getting involved. Yeah. Others stayed home, people had their work hours staggered to avoid rush hour, and the unions agreed to not make deliveries until later in the day so everything worked out nice. it's considered one of the most successful if not the most successful olympics of all time and it was capped off with an alien spaceship landing in the coliseum during the closing ceremony on august 12th really cool 
I bet. <laughs> I bet it was. Was it an ET reference, or was Jefferson Starship just trying to get another gig? They were actually the delegates from <laughs> <laughs> the USSR decided, we want to be involved, actually. <laughs> the people in charge feared that without the Soviets, less people would be interested, and thus less money would be made. They were wrong on both accounts. More people watched these games on TV than anything that had ever been on TV before. Wow. Over 6 million people came out to watch the games in LA, which was also a new record. The yeah. soccer final at the Rose Bowl between France and Brazil had a crowd of 101,799, which set the record for the biggest crowd at a soccer game in North America. Wow. As for the money, this was considered the most financially successful games ever and was one of only three to turn a profit, the others being 1948 in London and 1932 once again in Los yeah. Angeles. They had spent $546 million, but in the end, they had a surplus of $232.5 million. Damn. And the deal that the LAOOC had made was that 60% of that would go to the U.S. Olympic Committee, but 40% of that would stay in Southern California. So the organization founded to manage these funds was called the LA84 Foundation, who, t- yeah, yeah, makes sense now, who took yeah. the $93 million they got from the Olympics and grew it into $200 million. And with that, they funded youth sports for over 3 million kids in Southern California just from these Olympics. Very nice people, by the way. I wouldn't know. I don't play sports. We, we met them at the Archives Bazaar. Oh, I love them. I play a lot of sports. Yeah, they let us hold the Olympic torch. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, they charged us $3,000 for that. It was worth it. Best check I've ever written. <laughs> Best debt I've ever gotten into. They also used this money, uh, the LA84. They set up the largest sports research library in North America called the Paul Ziffrin Sports Research Center, which Old I Ziffy. want membership to. But the bottom line was that it was just a really well-organized Olympics. Uberoth was named Time Magazine man of the year and then went on to be the commissioner of major league baseball and also headed the u.s olympic committee from 2004 to 2008 now if you're one of those people who wants the olympics back in la you better start writing letters begging uberoth to come (laughs) back they had tried right now we're in the present la had tried to be the u.s candidate for this year 2016's olympics but they lost the nomination spot from the united states to chicago who then lost the games to rio we've been trying for several years to win the 2024 summer olympics and it's actually looking really good right now i would say boston was the official u.s choice for Mm -hmm. 2024, but Boston backed out because they didn't want any excess budget to be paid for with tax dollars. So LA, always ready to do things nobody else wants to. Mm -hmm. They stepped into that. Olympic costs are getting crazy again. People say that the reason Greece is, you know, because they they went bankrupt putting on the Olympics. And they estimate the LA Olympics, which would be the 33rd Olympiad, they estimate it would cost $6 billion and anything over that would come out of taxpayer money. But they assure us that the rights and sponsorships would cover it all. And they've been so bold as to proclaim that there will even be a $61 million surplus when it's over. And I may not know much about billion-dollar investments, but I believe that. <laughs> this is what they have in mind so far. They'd follow in the pattern of the 84 games and try to use as much as what we already have as we can. Mm-hmm. The games would be centered around four clusters in the city. Okay. Nougat. <laughs> <laughs> Nuts. There's the coastal cluster of okay. Westwood and Santa Monica. Right. The valley cluster of the Sepulveda Basin, which they wanted to use in the 84 games, but the community said, no way. <laughs> this time they intend to use it for archery and shooting and equestrian and stuff like that. Right. The South Bay cluster, which would be focused around the StubHub Center. The downtown cluster which would stretch from exposition park to la live with gymnastics and staples center fencing Mm -hmm. in the microsoft theater then there'd be bits and bobs as you would say around town places like griffith park the forum the rose bowl along the la river lake casitas again in the santa monica mountains they'd have to build some temporary things like an elevated track over the football field at the coliseum to make room and also they plan to turn figueroa completely car free during the games Mm -hmm. like you could just so you can walk from the coliseum to staples center and now 
with a new stalker with a new stalker stadium. <laughs> it's about time we built one. It's <laughs> mostly bushes. They're putting the new soccer stadium where the LA Sports Arena was, which they intend to put a pool in for yeah. this as an NFL quality football stadium coming, which we're looking better and better every day. Also on our side is that NBC, who now broadcasts the Olympics, live in Los Angeles, so yeah. they don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, they, they even walk. they even scrapped a plan to build up a whole athletes village along the LA River at Piggyback Yard, and they're instead going to use the dorms at UCLA again, which will save literally a billion dollars in costs. We even have the quasi-religious slogan of follow the sun and a logo of an angel for this. All of this is being written off as a religious (laughs) religious performance. (laughs) But getting the Olympics won't be as easy this time as it was in 1984. For one thing, we aren't the only contenders anymore. The finalists right now are LA, Budapest, Mm -hmm. Rome, and Paris, which are like the strongest contenders of any places in the world. Well, you could Rome if you want to. You can uh, ride it on the Paris Metro. Budapest. (laughs) Another thing is that more security is needed these days than there used to be, and that could cost a lot more. There's also more athletes involved than there were in 1984, and things might not be as manageable. On the plus side, there's much better public transportation now, and by 2024, there's going to be tons more that are fully operational. If LA hosts again, we'll be the second three-time hoster ever next to London, and the word is that Paris and LA are considered the front runners right now. Spies from Paris have been scouting LA for Olympic tips. Really? These spies have been captured. They're presently being tortured for answers. The lucky, They're being tortured in Disneyland. <laughs> the lucky or cripplingly unlucky city will be chosen in September 2017. Looking so, forward to it. Fingers crossed in the sign of the cross. I hope that we get it now. After doing all this research. Yeah, I really hope. By 2024, I hope to be able to afford a ticket to oh, watch the Olympics. Great, yeah. I mean, surely we would be invited to cover the whole thing. Yeah, we would be but national I, commentators. <laughs> it depends how fast our parade ends. Because, I mean, we're going to have parades every week. I might interfere with LA Meekly Week. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be there. I might be on the yacht. <laughs> this cruising international waters. <laughs> I mean, if I can compete on the yacht, sure. Because <laughs> it, it floats in the Sepulveda Basin. I can't go very far. <laughs> I just take the Owens Valley uh, aqueduct trick all the way down. That's Paper my boat. personal slip and slide. <laughs> we own this city. I thought it was an interesting episode. It was, yeah. It legitimized us as a city that can do something yeah. grand like that. Yeah. I also like that both of our stories focused on the pageantry and finances of it all rather than the, the sport. Game, yeah. <laughs> it was hard getting us there, especially with a lot of other countries like... Nah, LA, really, really. <laughs> but then, Drop. yeah, really. Yeah, really. Uh, Char, really. Yeah, we want it. So what's the big deal? <laughs> I think it would be really fun. Like, I, I really like the idea of, because I always like big family gatherings, like when yeah. everyone's kind of like, oh, we're in this room in the hotel, like big events. Yeah. And I like the idea of the whole world kind of being like, hey, let's go hang out with the Manchurians. <laughs> <laughs> the Japanese, they won't let them alone, but we can still hang out with them. It almost seems like very party-ish for that two weeks or whatever. Yeah. I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And also the idea of fencing happening and just like all the stuff happening, like, oh, I go there. I can I can drive yeah. there in 20 minutes and disrupt the whole Olympics. Exactly, yeah. I can go in there, smash an Olympian's knee, mm-hmm. and I'll become a part of history. Yeah. It was right to concentrate on the festivities that come before the games because that's kind of like the fun of it. Like the games themselves yeah. are fun, but... The Olympic, the opening ceremony is my favorite part. Yeah, me too. It's I, like, I just like flags. Call me crazy, but I have a serious flag fetish. <laughs> you may have a fetish and that fetish is leaving reviews on itunes then we've got just the activity for you go on itunes leave us a review for this podcast or at least just a star rating i'll say it again if you have an iphone it's so simple open the podcast app hit the search bar put in la meekly it's right there just leave a leave a review you don't just a star rating all it takes is thumbs if you don't have thumbs 
I apologize. Even rats could do it. <laughs> and they do. We've gotten many reviews from rats. They say it's, it's this hate speech and slander. <laughs> Visit our Tumblr, which is our main page. LAMeekly.tumblr.com. We put pictures up that correspond with the links. It's also our main place where we have the archive the for archive the podcast uh, episodes. Like us on Facebook. If we you post like. stuff there. Songs we've been putting lately. We've been songs putting relevant songs. to this sort of thing. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram, LA underscore Meekly. You'll see nice pictures every single day. Mm-hmm. We are on Twitter. Twitter, Allie darn day at Ally Meekly. At, at Ally Meekly. We are doing field trip episodes soon, so if you have any ideas, if you want to talk to us. Yeah, if you work at an, a place relevant to this city, an interesting sort of place, Go contact ahead. us and we will we'll send out our interview squad, which is <laughs> us in mustaches, and we will interview you and you will, will be on an episode. We'll wake you up in the middle of the night, we'll throw a bag over your head to throw you in a van. <laughs> Who do you work for? Why do you work there? <laughs> yeah, email us at Ally.meekly at gmail.com is mm-hmm. what it is. Anything you want to email us. Food. Please. Uh, do we have that yet? Uh, what do you call food on the internet? <laughs> Gigabytes. <laughs> uh, oh boy, I want to leave. I want to leave so bad. <laughs> yeah, so that's everything we have. Uh, like us everywhere. Send good vibes. Yeah. You know, Everybody enjoy the Olympics. Enjoy August. We'll be back September 1st, maybe even sooner if we have uh, one of the field trip episodes done. But stay tuned, loyal listener, because the future is in a few days. And then it's going to be a few days after that. And that's more future. The future doesn't stop coming. Nothing stops coming. Don't look back. That's not the future. Look forward to the future. The future eventually leads to the end. The end is nigh. And that has been yet another episode of L.A. Meekly, keeping McDonald's and cheeseburger debt since 2013. I would gladly pay you cheeseburgers. (laughs) For for a Tuesday today. For a Tuesday in the future. (laughs) 